Well, if you were here last week, um, you know we had an incredible service last week. We got to see 26 people baptized, which, man, that was awesome, wasn't it? That's reason to celebrate. Um, and we also saw 11, 11 kids get dedicated by their parents, and, man, how awesome is that? Uh, that people are making that commitment publicly. Um, not only are we going to live for God, but I'm committing to raise my family for God too. So that's something really exciting we have to celebrate last week. And um, with all of that, you know, to me that just ties in perfectly to what today is, which is Palm Sunday. Um, Palm Sunday basically is, is the day that kicks off Passion Week. I already mentioned that. And uh, Passion Week is basically the last week of Jesus' life here on the earth. So the last, last week that he was here, part of his earthly ministry, and the Gospels actually uh, spend a lot of time focusing on that last week that he was here. You know, if you look through the Gospels, so the Gospels are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's basically 89 chapters in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And if you look at the, um, basically Jesus was here on the earth for roughly 33 years, 33 and a half years, somewhere right there in that range. And if you look at the number of chapters dedicated to different points of his life, if you look at the first 30 years of his life, Roughly four, year, four, four of those chapters are dedicated to the first 30 years of his life. So we don't have a whole lot of detail about that, per, that time period. So that means the remaining 85 chapters are on the last three and a half years of his life. And then if you look at those remaining 85 chapters, 29 of those are dedicated just to the last week of his life. So the, basically the Bible, these, these authors, the Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they felt that it was very important to really put a lot of emphasis on what the last week of Jesus' life was like. And to me, that tells me there's something important about that. There's, there's a reason they did that. There's a reason they felt like we needed to know what was going on during that last week. And uh, so and as we look through this, we're going to see, I think Jesus, there's two things I think we're going to see in this. First of all, we're going to see um, that we need to know some of what he was doing that week. We need, basically, he's doing some things to kind of show us one last big push of what the Father's love looks like. He's trying to show us the last couple things there. On top of that, we're going to see there's some last things he wanted to teach us too. Jesus recognized that his time was running very, very short, and he's saying, there, I'm getting ready to go, but there's some things here that I feel like you need to hear one last time before I take off. So this is such an important week, and I think that's why um, we have, that, have so much detail included on that last week of Jesus' life and ministry here. Um, throughout the Passion Week, we get this beautiful picture of just how passionate God is and how Jesus is in their love towards us, because, man, they are passionately in love with you. I don't know if you know that, um, but they are passionately in love with you. Um, let's look at one of the most widely known scriptures out there. We're going to start in John 3.16. And this starts off by saying, for this is how much God loved the world. Other translations say God so loved the world. He loved the world. He loved us so much that he did something that I bet nobody else in here could probably do. In order for God and people to be in relationship, God actually had to sacrifice his one and only son. We know this story. We're, we're believers here for the most part, if not everybody. So we know that story. Um, but we need to recognize that he made a sacrifice that most of us probably couldn't do. Now, I've been, to, I've been to a lot of churches through the years, and I know this is one of the most loving churches I've ever encountered. You guys love people like crazy. People walk in the door, and the first thing they say is, man, I can't believe how loved I felt when I walked in the door there. And as loving as you guys are, I'm betting that probably nobody in here would be willing to give up their child to save everybody in this room. You know, I don't have kids myself, but I have two little nieces that I absolutely love and adore. And as much as I love you guys, I'm not sure I could give up them to save you guys. Just, that's, you know, that's, just a, that's a very difficult thing for us to do, and yet God did that because he loved us so much. Um, John 3 goes on to say, he gave his one and only unique son as a gift, so now everyone who believes in him will never perish but experience everlasting life. I want you to feel that today. I want you to experience that incredible love that God has for you. I don't want you this to be a scripture that we've read a thousand times and we're just hearing it over and over again. 
I want you to experience his love firsthand today. Experience that passion behind it. Just experience how much he loves you. And that's my prayer for today before we leave, that you're going to know his love, not just by the words, but by experiencing it firsthand. You're going to feel loved when you walk out of this place today. That's one of my goals. That's what I'm determined. Another one of my favorite scriptures about God's love is found in Romans 5. And Romans 5 and verse 8 says, but Christ proved God's passionate love for us by dying in our place while we were still lost and ungodly. So basically, Jesus proved God's passionate love for us. It wasn't just something where he says, I love you, and that's all there is. There was actually some proof to it. He backed up his words with actions. God's a loving God. God was expressing his great love for us, even in the moments um, where our lives are the biggest mess they've ever been. Uh, God was expressing his great love for us, even in the moments when we were actively carrying the, the guilt and the shame of poor choices that we made. He was still expressing his great love for us in those moments. God so passionately loved us that he proved it. He backed it up. He put some action to it. He proved it that he loved us. That kind of passion demands a passionate response. That kind of passion from God should, should cause us to want to respond in passion too. Uh, we need to have the same kind of passion in our relationship with God that God has for us. Because, man, he has an awful lot of passion for us. He's excited about us as people. Uh, so I encourage you today, um, determine that your passion level today, if you're, if you're not particularly excited about your relationship with God right now, I just encourage you before you leave here today that you start to take steps towards raising that passion level to meet, your, to meet where you're so excited. You're just as excited about God as he is about you. Because, man, he is so excited about you. Uh, so with that in mind, uh, let's jump into the beginning of Passion Week. Uh, some, people, some people refer to this as the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. But in Luke 19, it starts in verse 29. It says, when he arrived at the stables of Aniah near the Mount of Olives. So basically that included two little villages. There was one called Bethpage and one called Bethany. And they were about two miles outside of Jerusalem. That's where these two villages are at. And it goes on to say, he sent two of his disciples ahead, saying, when you enter the next village, you will find tethered there a donkey's young colt that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it to me. I want to pause there just a second because uh, I want you to notice that Jesus hadn't seen the colt, but he knew the colt was there. Um, not only did he know that the, the colt was there, he knew where it was tied up at. Uh, not only did he know where it was tied up at, he knew that it had never been ridden before. He knew all these really specific details about this colt. Uh, what, does that, what, what does that matter to me? That tells me that Jesus knows the little details of humanity. Um, Jesus knows the little details of your life. And, and he cares about you so much that he knows what's going on with you. And he wants to orchestrate things in such a way when you're following God and, and being led by the Holy Spirit to where he can give you input and advice to where he can get involved even in the little things and cause them to work together for the good of those who love him. God wants to be involved in your life. He knows what's going on with you. He knows the little details. He knows what you think about uh, when you lay in bed at night. And he wants to get involved if you'll just let him in and get involved in those areas. Since he knows every detail of our lives, why don't we just put our trust in him? Say, God, you know what's going on here. Why don't you, I'm trusting you. I'm just going to follow and do what you tell me to do here. That's a little, that's a little commercial there. So let's keep reading. That's not what we're talking about today. Uh, verse 31. It says, if anyone stops you and asks, what are you doing? Just tell them this. It is needed for the Lord. The two who were sent entered the village and found the colt exactly like Jesus had said. While they were untying the colt, the owners approached them and asked, what are you doing? The disciples replied, we need this donkey for the Lord of all. So when I read stuff like that, I like to put myself in other people's shoes. I like to see things from their perspective. Um, so I, I try to imagine that I just went to a, a car lot here in town and just bought a brand new car. No one had ever ridden this thing before. And I'm sitting there, I got the keys in my hand, and then two guys walk up to me 
and said, yeah, the Lord needs your car. And I try to think about how I'd respond to that. You know, I'm not so sure. I'd say, okay, here's the keys. You take it, do whatever you want to, and bring it back when the Lord's done with it. I would really have to hear from God to respond that way. And yet that's exactly how this guy responds. They come and give him the story, and they say, okay, take the donkey. If the Lord needs it, the Lord can have it. Kind of thing. And we see that in the next scripture, verse 35, because it says they brought the cult to Jesus. So the guy didn't fight him. He didn't argue with him. He said, well, if the Lord needs it, here you go. Um, it says they placed their prayer shawls on its back. I love how the Passion says their prayer shawls, not their cloaks. And it says, and Jesus rode it as he descended the Mount of Olives toward Jerusalem. So essentially, Jesus starts um, what looks like a parade here. You know, he's coming into town, and people are throwing their cloaks or their prayer shawls in the ground. And we're going to see that Jesus starts to ride down, uh, ride through the town riding on these things. The donkey's walking on these things, laying on the road there. Before we actually read that, though, I want to read another scripture, and I want you to see that um, this is actually the fulfillment of a prophecy given through Zechariah hundreds of years prior to this. So in Zechariah 9 and verse 9, it says, Rejoice, O people of Zion. Shout in triumph, O people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming to you. He is righteous and victorious, yet he is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. How did Zechariah know that hundreds of years before Jesus actually did it? Because God set this whole thing up. Basically, every, if you look at the life of Jesus, he fulfilled so many Old Testament prophecies. Every one of them, it was perfect how he fulfilled them. It was amazing how he fulfilled them. Like, we couldn't try to orchestrate that if we wanted to, and yet God did that. So if, if he perfectly fulfilled those prophecies, um, that makes me think that all the prophecies concerning him coming again, he's in the process of fulfilling those too, isn't he? So we can expect that, and we can also expect every prophecy he's given us, every promise he's made to us, we can expect that he's going to fulfill those too. Because he's a God who keeps his word. He, he can orchestrate things so beautifully. So just put your trust in that. Even, even if there's something you've been believing God for um, that you haven't seen happen yet, don't worry, it's coming. You can put your faith in that. So um, Let's go back to Luke 19. I want to keep on going here. In a Luke 19, verse 36, it says, As he rode along, people spontaneously, spontaneously threw their prayer shawls on the path in front of him like a carpet. Now, this isn't what the message is about today, but I was actually reading this scripture yesterday. And as I read through that scripture, I just felt like the Holy Spirit was saying that if there's a situation in your life, notice there it says that Jesus rode into town on their prayer shawls. Um, so if there's a situation in your life where you're needing, you're needing God to move in some kind of way, the way you invite Jesus into that situation is through prayer. When you start praying and giving that situation to him instead of trying to work that thing out yourself, you're inviting him into that situation. He can come in and cause change to happen. As long as you're holding on to it, he can't do anything. But when you give it to him, he can start working and molding and shaping it and uh, turning it into something beautiful there. So that's just some encouragement there. This is another little side note. This is not what we're talking about today. Uh, I just want to tell you that if there's any area of your life where you're having a hard time right now, start giving that thing to God. Man, he wants to get in there and work and move so badly if you'll just give it over to him and let him do that. So let's keep reading. Uh, verse 37. As soon as he got to the bottom of the Mount of Olives, the crowd of his followers shouted with a loud outburst of ecstatic joy. Man, they were happy. They were excited over all the mighty wonders of power they had witnessed. They shouted over and over, highest praises to God for the one who comes as king in the name of the Lord. Heaven's peace and glory from the highest realm now comes to us. Some people believe there were as many as, as a million people there for this because they were gathering together getting, you know, for the Passover. So there was a ton of people here, whether it was a million or a different number. There were a whole bunch of people here for this. And all those people were shouting with ecstatic joy because of all the miracles they had heard Jesus do, of everything they had heard about, everything they had seen. They were so excited. Um, and one of the last things they would have seen just shortly before this is when Lazarus was raised from the dead. So you can imagine 
somebody that they knew was raised from the dead. This wasn't in the time where you could like alter images and alter video and things like that. This was at the time where they knew he was dead, they knew he was wrapped up, they knew he smelled bad, and now all of a sudden he's alive. So they like had this firsthand testimony of what had happened there. They had seen all this. So obviously these people were excited because the word had spread. Man, the miracle working Messiah, our Savior, is here. He's coming into town, and they're worshiping, and they're excited about that. And they, they start shouting, Hosanna, highest praises to God. They're, they're cheering them on. Uh, they continue by shouting, heaven's peace and glory from the highest realm now on us. You know, they're just so excited about what's happening. So most of these people are really excited that Jesus is here, and praise, they're praising God in the big way, uh, but not everybody is. In verse 39, it says, some, re, some Jewish religious leaders who stood off from the procession said to Jesus, teacher, order your followers at once to stop saying these things. The teacher, order your followers at once to stop saying these things. Essentially, they were trying to say, Jesus, we don't worship that way. That's not how we do things around here. You know, this is just a little too out there for us. This isn't how God wants us to worship. So you just need to tell your followers just to tone this down a bit because this isn't how we do things around here. Um, the really sad news is, is that people basically followed that. We're going to see that people followed that in less than five, in about five days. Uh, the same ones who are full of joy and shouting and praising God right here, by Friday we're shouting, crucify him, crucify him. So basically these people got in there and affected this excitement, this joy that they had, and they had just that dramatic change that quickly. Um, they had that kind of faith that was up and excited one moment, and the moment things weren't perfect, it was way down here again. They're just back and forth like that. Um, so in response to those religious leaders, uh, Jesus makes a statement that I wish, I wish I could have been here to hear him say this. Because when I read this, I read this with, with boldness in his voice. I read this with like he's, man, he's just like shaking the walls when he says this. I can feel the power and I can feel the boldness of Jesus. In verse 40, it says, Jesus responded, listen to me. If my followers were silenced, the very stones would break forth with praises. I mean, you can almost hear Jesus with boldness, like standing up to these people trying to put them down and say, hey, even if they're not doing this, the world around me is going to do this. Because this is this, you know, the world's going to praise me. This is who, this is who we are. You know, I, I hike all the time. I love hiking. And, you know, one of the joys of hiking is you get to see some really cool, really cool rocks and really cool boulders sometimes. And uh, I'm just determined that none of those rocks or boulders will ever have to praise God on my behalf. And I'm just determined that I'm going to do my part. I'm going to praise God, and they'll never have to step up and do that. Think, just think, you know, think about your life. We don't have to think about anyone else. Think about your life. And uh, think about all the battles that take place for your worship. Uh, think about all the things that come up in life that try to rob, rob us of our worship, sometimes on a daily basis. All the things that try to come between us and our love for God, to try to distract us and get us focused other other places. There's so many things that try to come up and do that. Um, all the things that the enemy brings up in our lives with the sole purpose of trying to distract us away from who God's called us to be and what he's called us to do. All of us, were probably thinking right now, I just remember today that I woke up, you know, I'll give you my example. I, I, I lost power at my house at 4.30 last night. So then I went to go fire up the generator, and the generator started leaking gas. I had a little, the filter had a crack in it, which I discovered as I took it apart. And then I woke up at 4 o'clock this morning, still no power, so I got to take a shower with a water bottle. If you've never done that before, it's really cold, especially when there's no heat in the house. And then I finally get here to church. I get here to the church. I'm here at 612 this morning. So I'm already at the church at 612 this morning. And I look in the mirror for the first time since it was dark at my house. And I have this huge stain on my shirt. Like, where in the world did that come from? So fortunately, Walmart's open at 6. So I went to Walmart and bought a brand new shirt so I could actually look decent up here for you guys. So there's, there's, there's all these things that come up to try to distract us from doing what God's called us to do and being who God's called us to be. Um, but we don't need to let the devil win. We don't need to let those things pull us away from what God's called us to do. 
So I want to encourage you guys, let's raise our passion level today to meet the level that God loves us with um, because, man, he loves us so much. You're going to hear me say that at least seven more times today, that we need to raise our passion level. That's one more. Uh, the reality is that we're all worshiping something. Every one of us here, we're all worshiping something. Your passion is going somewhere because we're all passionate about something. You know, think about the things that get your time, the things that get your money, uh, the things that get your energy, the things that get your loyalty and your affections. All of us are passionate about something. Something is getting all of that. Um, and here's the deal. It's, it's okay for us to have love for those things. You know, I, I love hiking. I've, I've said that many times. I love hiking. I love getting out there and hiking and discovering, you know, mountains I've never been on and new waterfalls and just seeing these really cool sights around me. I love doing that stuff. And God doesn't mind us having those things that we love. What he does have a problem with is when we put those things before God, when we love those things more than we love him. That's when it starts to be an issue. Uh, first commandment is you should not have any God before me. You shall not have any God before me. Uh, God, doesn't mind us high, God doesn't mind us enjoying hiking or, or basketball or even our kids. He wants us to enjoy our kids. But none of those things should ever come above God as far as what our priorities are. You know, it's always God first in those things. He gave his best. He gave his all. He gave his passion. And he desires the same in return from us. He wants that from us. Um, every day, all day long, we're worshiping something. You know, worship, worship is our response to what we value the most. We, we worship the things that we value the most. And whatever we worship becomes an obsession to us. And then that can be God or it can be other things too that we become obsessed with. Um, whatever we become obsessed with, we imitate. You know, I teach in a middle school, so I get to see the TikTok dances all day long um, because people are copying, not from Hadley. Hadley doesn't do that. So whatever we become obsessed with, we start to imitate. And you start to see kids walking down the halls just doing these dances they learned on TikTok. They're obsessed with it, so they're imitating it. And uh, then whatever we imitate, we eventually become. That becomes part of our identity. It becomes part of who we are. Um, so what you choose to give your time, energy, passion, money, and affections to start to shape your life and start to define what you look like. Um, Jack Hayford, um, some of you guys have probably heard of him, uh, he made a statement one time that says, worship changes the worshiper into the image of the one worship. And that basically just sums up the same thing I just said there. So in other words, if we don't like who we are right now, um, a great first step is to take a step back and say, okay, what am I worshiping? I know, I know I love God. I know I say I love God more than anybody. But if I actually look at my life and how I spend my time and my focus, what am I actually worshiping? And if it's something other than God, then, okay, I know I need to make an adjustment. And I know that the more I put God in that first place, the more my life is going to start to imitate his and the more I get molded into his image. And I start to see him when I look at my life. You know, that's what we need to do. Maybe it's time to evaluate um, where we've set the affections of our heart because it's something that has your worship. Uh, going back to the crowd on Palm Sunday, I think we can see um, that they had the wrong thing in their heart. Basically, one second they were praising Jesus. They had a faith in who Jesus was in that moment. And then five days later, they were like, okay, look, we're going to kill this guy. You know, they, they had that quick of a shift right there. Um, they weren't strong in their faith, but we're not like that. Nobody in this room is like that. I'm declaring nobody in this room is like that. Um, I declare that we're strong in faith and that nothing's going to distract us from me and everything that God's called us to be. Um, if you look at the life of Jesus, um, and he taught us so many important things. Um, but there's one thing that he actually said was the most important. And we're going to look at that in just a second. But if Jesus said that there was one thing that was most important, uh, don't you think that that deserves our attention? We should focus on that. Um, wouldn't it be wise for us to allow our hearts to be influenced and changed by whatever this thing is that God says is most important? Don't you think that's something that just really needs to become the focus of our lives? If Jesus himself said, this is what's most important. Do we agree on that? Do I need to keep convincing? I can keep talking all day on this. So. Well, let, let's see what Jesus says. In Mark 12, in verse 28, it says, One of the teachers of religious law was standing there listening to the debate. 
he realized that Jesus had answered, answered well. So he asked, of all the commandments, which is the most important? So this religious teacher basically asked Jesus, what commandment's the most important? What do I need to focus on? What's the most important thing that I need to be doing? And Jesus actually responds to him. He doesn't beat around the bush. He doesn't answer in a parable where they have to try to figure out what he's saying. He just flat out tells them this is what's most important. Verse 29, it says, Jesus replied, the most important commandment is this. Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is the one and only Lord, verse 30, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. In John 4, 23, Jesus says that God is looking for worshipers. He's looking for worshipers. He's scanning houses, and he's scanning businesses. He's scanning churches. He's scanning your workplace, and he's looking for people who are going to worship him in spirit and truth. He's just looking for worshipers everywhere. And the word translated worshiper there, if you go back to the actual um, original translation, it means to kiss the hand. And I know, for, does, it, does that mean that God wants us to kiss his hand? Uh, I, don't, I don't know. That's kind of a weird way to think about it. But if you look at, if you kind of break it down and look at what he's actually talking about there, are there any dog people here? Let me ask you that. Anybody here who has dogs and likes dogs? Okay. I, I have a dog named Molly. And um, if I've been gone at work all day, um, as I pull up the driveway, I can look at the window on the side of the house, and I can see Molly with her paws up on the window looking out for me. Like, she's, she's already got her eyes locked on waiting me to get there. And then by the time I make the loop up and I park, at the, I park in the parking spot there and I get to the glass door, she's standing there at the door and her whole back end's just like wagging back and forth. She's so excited to see me. And then as soon as I walk in the door, I open it, and they're, they're sniffing, there's nuzzling, there's howling. I mean, it's just, it's like a party every time I walk in the house there. You know, most dog, dogs are like that. Cats just kind of ignore you. When you cats just aren't the same. Cats get, cats get irritated that you interrupted their, you know, like I was having a quiet day to myself and you just had to come on in here and just put the food down and leave. Um, but dogs aren't like that. They get so excited when you come in because they just want to be in your presence. They just want to experience you. And that's what that word worship means is you're just so excited about God. You just want to be in his presence. You want to be right there intimate with him all the time. You're constantly excited about being there with him. Just having this passionate desire to be in God's presence and interacting with him. That's, the, that's what worship means. And the crowd had tried to worship Jesus that way, that way one day but completely forgot how to five days later. God's looking for the kind of worship where we're always so excited about it. Wouldn't it be great to start out our Passion Week by taking our passion up to the same level that God loves us? That's another time. I'm going to say that over and over and over again. So let's focus for just a few minutes on what a life of worship should look like. So number one, this is my first point today. We need to worship God with our affections. We should worship God with our affections. So our, our soul is our mind, our will, emotions. And uh, sometimes you hear people say something to the effect of, um, I don't have to worship God that way because God knows that I love him. Like, I don't have to be super expressive. I don't have to worship that way because God knows. He knows my heart. He knows that I love him. Or I don't have to express my love for him because that's just not who I am. You know, that's just not my personality to be someone who actually shows God that I love him. Uh, I want to I step away from that just a second. Let's look at this in the natural. Um, just imagine that, you know, you're, you just got married and you're standing next to your spouse there up on the stage and and they say, all right, kiss the bride or, you know, give her a hug or some whatever they say in those things. So, and you just make the statement, I'm not really comfortable doing that. She knows that I love her. It's in here. I don't really feel like I need to show that, though. How healthy of a marriage do you think that would be? Yeah, not, not too good. Or maybe, maybe you know, like your, your kids just do something really exciting. They run up to you wanting a big hug from me. And you're like, okay, just pause right there. You know that I love you in here. I don't need to show you that I love you. You just know that. So go back to doing it. You know, that's, that would be heartbreaking to do something like that to our spouse or to our kids. And love is, is something that's, that's not just stuck on the inside. 
It's something that should be expressed. It's something that we should show. It's something where people can look at them and say, I know that they love their spouse. I know that they love their kids. I can see that through how they talk about them, through how they interact with them. And it should be the same way with God. Some people should be able to look at us and say, I can tell he loves God just by how expressive he is about that love for God. People should be able to see that all over us. Um, if, in fact, if it's, not, if, it's, if it's not expressed, I'd argue it's probably not love. It's probably something different there. So, um, now he, he, God loved us so much, he so loved the world that he gave. He put action to his love. He expressed his love to us. He acted out of that great love for us. So my question to everybody here today and online as we enter into this week, as we start to recognize the incredible sacrifice that Jesus made for us, the, the greatest expression of passion and love that the world's ever seen, wouldn't it be a good thing to bring our level of passion up to the level that God loves us? There it is again. I told you it's going to keep on coming. We need to raise our passion level up. Um, there's one book of the Bible um, that's the longest book by far. Um, the book of Psalms gives us all these incredible expressions of, of, of love to God, which I believe gives us insight into God's love language. Have you ever thought about that, about God having a love language? I know a lot of people talk about that book, The Five Love Languages, and I think God has a love language too. Um, so, side note to this, if you ever want to love somebody well, um, don't love them the way that you want to love them. Love them the way they want to be loved because we all receive love differently and give love differently. Um, so if you want to love somebody, take time to figure out what they want as far as the love goes and love them that way, and your life will be so much happier if you'll do that. Um, but I think it's important to see how God likes to be loved too. And if you look in the book of Psalms, basically Psalms is 150 chapters that I believe show us how God likes to be loved. Um, if you read through the Psalms, there's shouting, there's dancing, there's singing, there's kneeling, there's crying, there's laughing, uh, there's bowing, there's hands lifted, there's all these incredible expressions of God love. He loves to receive love that way, and so do you. We all do. You know, I already mentioned my two little nieces. Um, they're, they're one in three. The names are Sadie and Savannah. And uh, the last, not the last time I went to visit them, but the time before that, um, I drove out there. They live in Strasburg, and I got there. It was in the evening time, and I initially walked in the door, and, like, nobody was there. It's really weird to walk into somebody's house, and you know they're there, but you can't find anybody. Um, so I went to go put my stuff away, and, and then I started searching. Okay, where are they at? I know they got to be here somewhere. And then I start to hear the sounds of bath time happening. I reckon, okay, bath time's going on. I'm going to go tell them I'm here. So, so I get to the door, and I announce that Uncle Jeffrey's here. And then I open the door up, and just immediately, it is pandemonium. They're screaming. They're shouting. They're dancing. It's just the girls are so excited because they know when Uncle Jeffrey's there, it is party time and play time from the moment they wake up until the moment I ended up leaving. So, and there's just, it's just water fun everywhere. Everybody's soaked and wet, and everyone's just shouting and having a good time. There's so much excitement when they see me. And, man, that, as Uncle Jeffrey, that feels good. You, you, you get excited when you see someone that excited to see you like that. And I love those moments like that when those little girls are so excited to spend time with me, and God loves it when we're that excited to spend time with him too. He loves it to when we come into our interactions with him, and man, we're just dancing and shouting and excited because, hey, I get to spend time with God. I get to spend the time uh, with the one who loved me in my imperfections, the one who literally died for me and made a way for me to go to heaven one day. I get to spend time with the, the, the most loving father that's ever existed. That's amazing. Let's raise our level of passion this week. Uh, go to Psalms 150 and uh, verse 1. It starts off, and it says, Hallelujah, praise the Lord, praise God in his holy sanctuary. Praise him in his stronghold in the sky. So that word translated praise and hallelujah means to celebrate, to boast, to rave, to be foolish. It even says, if you look at the very last in the Strong's Concordance, it says to act madly. What does that mean, act madly? It means people are looking at you like, what in the world are they doing? That doesn't look like something a sane person would do. But you're just so excited about spending this time with God. That means that when you're praising God fully like he wants to be praised, like he wants to be shown love, uh, there are moments 
where you're going to lose your composure. Uh, there are moments where you're going to be really undignified. There are going to be moments where you're like, I hope no one got video of that. But it's just all good because you're praising God in those moments. You know, if you do that at a, at a, at a game or a concert, they just call you like you're a fan. You know, that's what fans do. Fans get excited uh, when they see something like that that they're really excited about, like a person or a band or something like that. But we're not just fans of God. We're people that are so in love with him that we want to show him and the world around us that, hey, we love him. We love him. We're so thankful for what he did for us. Uh, verse 2 just breaks it down even more. It says, praise him for his mighty miracles. Uh, praise him for his magnificent greatness. Praise him with trumpets blasting. Praise him with piano and guitar. Uh, praise him with drums and dancing. Praise him with loud clashing of cymbals. Praise him upon the high-sounding cymbals. Let everyone everywhere join in the crescendo of ecstatic praise to Yahweh. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And that's exciting right there. Praise is an exciting thing. You know, maybe you're still struggling with that, what that, what, what that looks like in your life. Maybe it's so different um, than what you've lived and experienced up to this point. Um, there's actually a story um, that happens right before Palm Sunday. So this is actually the night before Palm Sunday. And we see it recorded in, in John chapter 12. And we're not going to turn there, so don't stress out back in the sound booth. But uh, Jesus is, is he's in Bethany, a town I talked about that's about two miles away from Jerusalem. Um, he's at the home of Mary, Martha, and, and Lazarus. So Lazarus that was raised from the dead, he's hanging out at their house. And uh, Mary um, basically takes this jar of perfume um, that was, man, it was valuable perfume. They said it was worth like a whole year's, a whole year's wages. So this is some expensive, valuable stuff. Uh, it's not Axe body spray. This is something that you actually want to smell. So um, something, and she actually breaks this jar, this jar that's worth a year's salary, and she pours it over the feet of Jesus. And then she takes her hair, and she starts to wipe, wipe the feet of Jesus with her hair. And one of Jesus' disciples named Judas, who we all know about, starts to take offense to that. And uh, he starts making comments about how this isn't right, this, isn't, this is too much. And Jesus stops him and says, hey, she's preparing me for my burial. Just let her, let her worship. She's worshiping right now. This, you know, to Judas, this looked like a mad thing. This looked like a crazy thing. Why would anybody waste this much money on Jesus' feet? But Jesus is saying, this is her worshiping me. It may look crazy to you, but she has a reason she's doing this. And I recognize this is worship right now. And that sometimes when we're worshiping God, we're going to do some things that don't make a lot of sense. Sometimes when we're showing God that we love him, we're going to do some things that don't make sense to anybody else. But Jesus is up there, man, he's just loving it. He's like, man, you guys are worshiping me. I'm so, so pleased with this right now. In another gospel, Jesus says that she's showing him all this love because she's been forgiven of much. She's aware of how much she's been forgiven. You know, sometimes it's important to pause and ask ourselves, have we forgotten what God's done for us? If our passion level is low, if it's not high, have we forgotten everything that God's done for us? And usually that's a, that's a good, good reminder right there. Do we really understand the depth of his love and the fact that he saved us and healed us and delivered us, um, how he broke addictions and curses and depression and anxiety and fear and worry and all these things off our life? Have we forgotten about those things that he's done for us, those things he's already set us free from? Have we forgotten that he made, basically made us a home in heaven one day that we get to look forward to? Have we forgotten these things? And if we have, it's time to go back and remember those things. Because if, because if we've been forgiven much, and all of us here have, we're going ha to love much. We have the capacity to love much. We have the capacity to love just like God does. I remember years ago, and some of you guys may have heard this testimony, or may have heard this story too, but years ago, Philip Baker was here. And uh, he used to talk about how this scripture bugged him a lot. Because he said, you know, he said, as far as, believer, as, far as you know, people's stories go, so many people have these stories of all these terrible things that they did in their life, you know, drugs and all the, all the party lifestyle and all this crazy stuff. And he said, and then they say, but God saved me and God delivered me. And they had these amazing testimonies. 
And he said, I didn't have that. He said, but, you know, I basically was a church kid. I did what I was supposed to and, and lived that kind of life. And he said that, you, that scripture used to bug him because he used to think, okay, you know, if the scripture says that those who have been forgiven of much can love much, this, does that mean that I can't love as much as other people who have a, have a worse testimony? And he said that used to bug him. Like, does it mean I'm not as capable of loving people as these people are? And he said that as he started to seek God about that, what God opened up to him is that as far as God's concerned, there's no one who needed forgiveness more than somebody else. We all needed the same level of forgiveness, regardless of what your past or your story looks like. And basically, if you're aware of what he's forgiven of you of, if you're aware of the fact that he has saved you from hell and given you a place in heaven, if you're aware of that, man, we are, we are capable of loving people just like God loves us. We're capable of loving ourselves just like God loves us. We're capable of loving at his level. Um, if you ever find yourself, and I think this is, a really, this is a really cool example I discovered this week, if you ever find yourself driving by the Marine Corps Air, Force, Air Station um, in Cherry Point, North Carolina, um, basically it's right there along some major roads down there, and there's, there's, because it's an air, air base, you know, aircraft's always taken off. And I've, I've, I saw pictures of this for the first time this week. I never heard this before. Um, but if you look outside the gate of it, basically they were getting lots of complaints of noise and stuff because obviously aircraft make a lot of noise. And there's actually a sign outside this base that says, are you ready for this? You can, you can take this and apply this to your life too. It should apply to all our lives. But the sign outside the base says, pardon our noise, it's the sound of freedom. So that's what's outside this Marine Corps air base. Pardon our noise, it's the sound of freedom. That's, a, that's, that's the sound of somebody. We should, we should wear that around our necks everywhere we go. Pardon my noise, that's the sound of freedom. I know what I've been set free from. I know what I've been delivered from. I know what God saved me from. I know what he healed me from. This is just noise celebrating the freedom that he, that he paid for me. Um, is, any, is, is anybody in here grateful for what God's done for you? Let me just ask you that real quick. Okay. I just want to make sure I'm talking to the right people here. So I mean, everything, everything in me wants your level of passion to come up to the level of God's passion for you. I want you to leave here just so excited about God and just like knowing experientially just how loved you are. Like not just words on a page, but you're experiencing God loves. I, I want you to leave here with that. Um, so we need to worship God with all our heart and soul but it doesn't stop there. Number two, we need to worship God with our attention. God wants, you to, God wants us to have him on our minds. God wants us to have him on our minds all the time. He wants us to give him our attention. You know, when my dad passed away, it's coming up on five years ago now, um, I discovered that one of my primary love languages was quality. Like, I just want to spend time with people. I don't care about gifts. I don't care about you buying me anything. Um, if, it's, if you're somebody I love and care about, I just want to spend time with you. Like, that's, I, I love making memories because that quality time is important. I just want to be in the presence of people that I love and care about. And God wants, us, God wants to be on our minds so much that we have that same desire, that, God, I just want to be around you. I just want to be in your presence. I just want to spend time with you. God just wants us to, to, to say, God, you're, you're more important to me than anything else, and I'm prioritizing time with you. Let's take it a step further. God wants to be part of your schedule. He wants to be in your – if you're someone like me who you look at your phone and, like, every day has, like, six things – between work and personal life that you have to get done that day, uh, God wants to be in there too. He says, hey, make time for me and don't give that up to anybody. Um, Romans 12 and verse 2, I love how this says this in the message. It says, don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. So don't become so obsessed with life around us that all of a sudden we don't have room for God anymore. We need to fit him in that schedule and make him our priority. Um, you become the, th- I already said this, you become the thing that you worship the most. We become what we worship most, so why not make an appointment with God every day? So 
say, God, this is my time with you. I'm spending time with you right now every single day. Nothing's going to distract me from that. This is my time for you. Put it on your calendar and don't let anything rob you of, of that time with God. Do that in the morning and just watch how your entire day is affected. I've learned that myself. If I, and some mornings this even rushed, so I'm having to talk to him in the car while I'm driving to work. Um, but basically, if we'll take that time and have that time with God just in the Word and praying, you'd be amazed how much it sets the tone for the rest of your day. We've got to worship God with our heart. We've got to worship God with our soul, with our mind. And the last thing that Jesus said is worship God with all your strength. So we're supposed to worship God with all our strength. So number three, worship God with our abilities. That's my, that's my third point there. Worship God with our abilities. In uh, Hebrews 13, in verse 15, it says, Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of the lips that openly profess his name. So that says to basically let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise. How in the world are we going to do that? How in the world are we going to worship God continually? How in the world are we going to praise God continually? It almost seems impossible. You know, I teach, I teach middle school. I teach seventh grade. I teach math and English. And if I step up in front of the, in front of the kids every day right there by the smart board and I say, guys, just, just hang tight. We're just going to worship God today. And I stand up there and worship God in front of my classes the whole day. Um, that would be my last day teaching there. They, they would not allow me to stay there if I sit up there and started worshiping God, actively like praising God and worshiping in front of my kids. They would fire me for that. But in the very next verse, we get insight into how we can do this continually, how we can live this for God. Uh, verse 16, it says, And do not forget to do good and to share with others, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. So when you serve God, when you do something that God leads you to do, that's worship. That's worship. That's praising God. That's worship. Our act of obedience to do what God has gifted us to do is worship. So when we actually step out there and start doing the thing that God's leading us to do and not holding back in those areas, um, he sees that as worship. So just make a decision today to find ways to serve God with all your heart. Find ways to serve him with all your heart. At your, at your job, man, work like you're working for God. People should look at you and actually feel like you enjoy being there. Like I remember it wasn't, was it last year? I think it was last year. There was this one girl, um, she was an eighth grader at the time, and she came up to me in the school. She came up to me in the hallway one day, and she said, Mr. Lyerly, um, why are you so happy all the time? And I said, I just enjoy being here. I love being here with you guys and that kind of thing. And basically, people should be able to look at you and see, this is a person who wants to be here. This is a person who's working like they're working for someone beyond themselves, like they're not working for their boss. There's something different about the way they're working. Even when nobody else there is working that way, I can look at them and say, this is a terrible job, but you have so much joy. How in the world do you do that? People should be able to look at you and see that. Um, in your family, find ways to, find ways to serve your family. Uh, find ways to, to be a blessing to them, even when it's not necessarily reciprocated, because not every family member does that well. Uh, find ways to, to show love to them regardless of how they treat you. You know, represent Jesus well to your family. Represent that love well to your family. Serve God through your family. Um, in our church here, we have this amazing church, and things run here so smoothly. Um, even when pastors out of town ministering, things run so smoothly um, because we have such incredible L teams here and people who are doing all the jobs that happen before you even get here. And it's just amazing what they do. And uh, so maybe maybe serve God on an L team. You know, maybe if you're not involved in that area yet, say, you know, track down somebody, track down, fill a form or find Miss Lisa or Michelle or somebody like that. Say, I just really want to serve. Like, I don't know what to do yet. Where do you, where do y'all have a need? What can I do? How can I help out? And I guarantee you, we will stick you somewhere. If nothing else, Patrick will steal you, steal you for the security team. So that's, that's a running joke in the, in the, on the staff there. But, you know, if nothing else, we will find a spot for you somewhere. So um, let's just make this decision 
um, that our lives are going to be lived in a way that worships God. No matter where we're at, no matter what the setting, um, no matter what your morning's been like, you know, if you woke up with no power and had to go to Walmart to get a new shirt, uh, no matter what your morning's been like, make a decision that today I'm going to serve God. Today I'm going to worship God. Today I'm going to let my life be a reflection of the incredible passion and love that God showed me, and as a return, I'm showing this to him, no matter what my circumstances look like in this moment. Let's make that decision we're going to do that. So today, as we kick off Passion Week, make that decision now that you're going to raise your level of passion towards God. Make a decision, even if I'm not feeling it yet, I'm not going to leave this building until I feel my passion level rising up to meet the level that God loves me with. Uh, Live a life of worship on purpose this week. Just choose to do it. Just decide now, I don't care what this week's looked like, uh, I'm going to choose to worship God um, this week and let, let that passion level rise. And as you do that, if you'll do that, as you'll do that, I'm saying everyone in here should do that. I'm hoping you all do this. As you do that, you're going to enjoy your life more. Life's way more fun when you're pursuing God and walking out the plan that he's had for you. I've lived it myself. It is, I've, I've done it both ways. I've done things my way. I've done things his way. Life is so much more fun when you're pursuing him. Life is like, it's, just, it's, it's fun. It's an adventure. I love going on hiking adventures. It's an adventure pursuing God that way. Um, you're going to experience your relationship with God at so much deeper of a level than you have previously if you'll do this. If you start to raise your passion level up to meet the level that God loves you with, um, you're going to find out that it's, a, it's an exciting relationship. Like, I can hear him all the time. He's talking to me all the time. He's telling me things to do and things to say. And I just had this knowing that I'm supposed to go do these things. It's an exciting life when we're choosing to pursue God this way. And you're going to discover that your impact on the world around you is going to start to increase too. You're going to find out that people are coming up to you and be like, I'm having a hard time. I just need, I need someone to pray with me. Are you someone, can you pray with me? Do you know how to pray? You're going to find out people start seeking you out because they can tell there's something different about you. So I just encourage you guys this week, it's, it's time to get excited um, because God takes, wants to take you on an incredibly exciting journey this week because this is Passion Week. So let's determine we're going to raise our level of passion. Uh, I'm going to ask everyone just to bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment here. And uh, the reason I do this is I want you guys to take just a moment to really be honest and look at your heart. Um, the first step to going on this journey with God is accepting the sacrifice that Jesus made for you when he died on the cross. That's the first step is saying, Jesus, I recognize that you died for me. You died uh, to pay the price of my sin. You rose again on that third day. Um, all because you loved me, you wanted to pay the price for my sin, and you wanted me to have a relationship with God that lasts throughout eternity. If you've never made that decision, if you've never accepted that sacrifice that Jesus made, um, but you'd like to, hear, to leave here today knowing that you've got a relationship with God, if you'd raise your hand right now, I'd love to pray with you, and you can leave here knowing that you've got this incredible relationship with God. And I'm looking around right now. It's hard to see through the lights, but I don't want to miss anybody. I see that hand. Is there anybody else? I see that hand, too. Anybody else? And they are literally throwing a party in heaven. It says they, throw, they celebrate heaven every time someone makes a decision to come to God. So they're actually throwing a party in heaven right now because of you guys. Y'all can put your hands down. Um, maybe you've started that life with God. Maybe you've already taken those first steps, um, but you've gotten off the path gotten off the trail. Maybe you didn't do some things that you felt like God was leading you to do, or or maybe you just flat out did some things that you knew you weren't supposed to do. Man, God loves you so much. We're talking about his love and his passion for us. He loves you so much that if you'll confess those things as sin, if you'll repent, turn from them, and turn back to him, he forgives you, he cleanses you, he restores you, he puts you back on the path you would have been on as if you'd never wandered off. So if you can say, that's me, I am a believer, but I've got off the path, and I'm ready to come back today. I'm ready to get back on this trail again. If you'd raise your hand, I'd love to pray with you to, uh, as well, and we can make this commitment that, okay, from this moment on, I'm leaving pursuing God's best for my life. And I see, I see some more hands popping up for that too, which is awesome. God gets just as excited about that too. 
give you all just a moment longer here because I see more hands popping up. I don't want to leave anybody out of here. And God gets so excited about this. All right, y'all can put your hands down too. I'm going to lead you guys in a prayer right now. And uh, out of respect to those praying, I'm going to ask that we all pray this together. And basically, we're just going to make a commitment to, to once again, we're, we're living for God. We're pursuing him above everything else. We're going to raise our passion levels right, right now. So let's pray this together. So, Father, thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to pay the price for my sin, for my healing, for everything that you, you've, you've wanted to give me. Right now, I accept that sacrifice. I accept that salvation. And I commit to pursue you with the same passion that you pursued me. In Jesus' name, amen.